When I woke in the morning, daylight was just visible where the curtains didn't quite meet. I had slept well on the couch bed. The new cushions were an excellent investment. I savored the moment. As I said, I didn't have that many unscheduled Saturdays at home. And even when I did, there were plenty of chores waiting to be done. Here, all I needed to do was a couple of simple meals. Thoughts of the camaraderie the night before with Dinah comforted me as well. Finally, a craving for a good cup of coffee got me out of my cocoon. I'd found an old percolator at a second-hand shop. It only made about four cups, which was perfect. I felt like a kid in a playhouse as I made coffee in it and lit the burner on the small stove. Dinah sprawled on the dinette bed, still sound asleep. I read a novel while the coffee gurgled, and when it finished, filled a ceramic mug and took it and my book outside. It was a beautiful early spring morning. I looked out to the woods behind the campground and then around the campsite. The trees were bigger than I had realized last night in the dark. As I surveyed the area near the entrance, I was surprised to see that the big motorhome was already gone. Perhaps someone was traveling the nearby interstate and just stopped for the night. However, a small vintage trailer had pulled into another site, near where the motorhome had been. Obviously, I had slept very well, because I hadn't heard a thing. I set my mug on the picnic table and decided to visit the shower house. But as I approached the building, I stopped with a jolt. The building that Dinah and I had used the night before had been cement block and appeared fairly new. The women's side held two sinks, three toilet stalls, and two shower stalls. Now, in the same spot, stood two wooden outhouses, one marked men's and one marked women's. I stood frozen. Slowly I scanned the entire campground again. The large trees that shaded all of the sites were old elms. I hadn't ever seen that many in one place in my lifetime. I reluctantly used the outhouse, and when I came out, my head was spinning, whether from the fragrance of the building or the total disorientation I was feeling. I wasn't sure. There had been campfires in two campsites at the far end of the campground the night before, but only one was occupied now with a canvas tent. I walked slowly around the single road that looped the campground, trying to get my head around this. I may have been mistaken about the trees in the dark, and I suppose people do move in and out of these places in the night, according to their circumstances, but nothing explained the outhouses. As I neared the vintage trailer, a woman came out and nodded. She was dressed in crisp tapered khakis and a plaid shirt with a brown cardigan arranged on her shoulders. On her feet, bright white sneakers defied the dirt around them. Her hair was neatly arranged in a French twist, and she could have been the mother in a 60s sitcom. In my research online, I had read that many people took their vintage trailer restoration to the extent of wearing period clothing as well. This gal was serious. "'Good morning,' I said. 
What a great camper. It's in wonderful shape. She looked a little confused. It's new. I took that to mean that it was new to her. Well, it looks very nice. I completed the loop and returned to my own trailer. I realized I had forgotten to register and pay for my site the night before. The campground was so small that there wasn't a full-time attendant, and they relied on an honor system most of the time. At a kiosk near the entrance, a rack held registration forms, and a locked box with a slit in the top was provided to deposit the forms and payment. I took the form back to my picnic table and filled it out. The bottom part was to be torn off and slipped into a holder on a post by my site. I wrote in my name and the site number. Blanks were provided to fill in the dates of my stay. The year was already filled in. It said 1962.